Willie Fritz left Tulane for Houston. Eli Drinkwitz is now the SEC Coach of the Year, but could there have been someone else? A Jaguars employee apparently stole $22 million. We've got an update for the transfer portal. Colin Klein is set to become the new offensive coordinator at Texas A&M. What's going on with quarterback injuries? And is it crazy that we have some baseball trades going down in December? All of this and more on this Friday episode of Jake's Take. Let's go. What is going on, everyone? Thank you so much for tuning in to Jake's Take. As always, I am your host, Jacob Stoneman, at Jake's Take Podcast, at Jake's Silver 14. Join me later on for Christy's Corner is my wonderful co-host, Christine. You can follow her on Instagram and TikTok at Marie underscore double zero. And as always, this is sponsored by Variety Sports Network at Variety underscore sport underscore. Your home for all sorts of different forms and varieties. The first thing that we have to talk about is that we've got some movement in the small market in the South. Two lanes, Willie Fritz is now going to be at Houston. Now, at first, I didn't want to believe this would be real because, you know, I do like Tulane and I do watch their games and they've been a great program the past few years. But I also think with this, Willie Fritz has been a very hot commodity when it comes to how he will be as a coach. And Houston was struggling, you know, they needed a change and I think they got it. You know, Willie Fritz built up this two-lane program. He was there for seven years and he brought them back to a bowl game too. You know, he took over Tulane in 2016, and this was a team that was four and eight. And gradually every year, they got more and more. Actually, let me rephrase that. They got better each year. You know, going from four and eight to five and seven to seven and six to seven and six to six and six. Then you also, you know, struggled in 2021, but then you put it all together last year and this year when you are 12 and two and 11 and two. And you also come in and USC last year in the Cotton Bowl. And that's kind of how people were looking at this, too. I mean, he also was pretty solid at Georgia Southern, too. He has a great record. Now, it leads to another question of what does this mean for Tulane afterwards? So with this, when it comes to Willie Fritz, they have Slade Nagel as the interim. And he is currently the assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach. And we'll see if he could be the one. But it's kind of a surprise because I thought Willie would be there a little bit longer. Now, he created a great culture there. And then it kind of leads to, you know, what does this mean for Houston? Remember, Houston has really struggled the past few years. So I think Willie Fritz can bring some success there and hopefully, you know, kind of get things going. But with this, I like the hire for Houston. Now, it stings because I liked Willie Fritz at Tulane. But in this point, you know, he did the right thing. He's building the team up. And I guess that's really what matters at the end of the day. But here's the thing with Houston. You're in a very competitive state when it comes to recruiting and the transfer portal. You've got Texas. You've got A&M. And A&M is known for obviously getting a very top recruiting class because of Jimbo and not because of money. Um, And then you've also got Texas Tech. So now it kind of comes down to what are you going to do in regards to the portal? What are you going to do in regards to recruiting? Tulane had a blow up. They did really well recently, which is great. How is Louis Fritz going to attack that when it comes to his time at Houston? Obviously, you know, you look at Houston and, I think they had some trouble 
with their previous coach, you know, and Dana Holmgren. And it happens, you know, stuff like this does kind of happen, but you kind of think about it and say, well, you know, sorry, Dana Holgerson. And then you kind of just see, you know, what could they have done better? Looking at Dana Holgerson's record, he had much more success at West Virginia, but you look at his record at Houston, he was four and eight, three and five, 12 and two, and eight and five. And then when they moved to the Big 12, they just weren't the same. So I guess we'll just kind of have to be situated and see what happens. But this was, I guess, a good start for Willie Fritz. And we'll just have to see what he does in the future as he grows at Houston. Now, on to our next point, which is in regards to another coach. Now, speaking of head coaches, Eli Drinkwitz has been named SEC Coach of the Year. Now, before someone says anything, well, why wasn't it Nick Saban or something like that? Trust me, I already asked that too. But I think with this, it's very deserving for Eli Drinkwitz because you look at this Missouri team, and if you watch any of Matt Mitchell's videos, you can tell that they make fun of Missouri a lot. And they had a really great year, I think, with Missouri. You know, Eli Drinkwitz has shown that he is a great coach. And they finished number nine in the coaches AP and college football playoff ranking. And they had a 10 and two record and they only lost those games to LSU and Georgia. And that's really impressive. You know, this is a team that wasn't ranked at the beginning of the year. They slowly descended and I mean, ascended up the ranks. And this is pretty impressive too, you know, for them to be number 15, Kansas state. And then, Obviously, for them to be Kentucky and then Tennessee, and they had a dominant win against Tennessee, too. Now they're set to play Ohio State. But you also look at some of these players, too. You know, Brady Cook, Cody Schrader, Luther Burden. Cody Schrader, remember, was a walk-on. He went to Truman. And then he's from St. Louis. So for him to come home, and he was a walk-on, he had a great opportunity. and He made the most of it, which is really amazing. Now, here's the thing, too, and Christy's going to allude to this more later on, but they have to be active in the transfer portal. That's how they'll be successful in the SEC, but they're winning, and when they're winning in the SEC, it's going to make it a better and more exciting place to be. People think about the SEC and recruiting and think, oh, well, you know, it's going to be Alabama, it's going to be Georgia, LSU, Auburn, Texas, Oklahoma. Now they get the chance for Missouri to be the case, remember. When Ezekiel Elliott was being recruited, Missouri was going after him heavy with Gary Pinkle. Eli Drinkwitz can now build off of this success and turn them into a contender in the SEC East like they used to be a few years ago. And on to our next point, which is a bit of a weird one, in my opinion, which is in regards to a Jaguars employee who stole close to $22 million. This was a story that just came out in regards to Amit Patel, and he was just charged with wire fraud and illegal monetary transaction. You want to know what set it off? He bought a condo in Ponte Vedra Beach, a Tesla, crypto, private jets, luxury hotel stays, country club membership, and watches. I definitely gave it away. Basically, here's what happened. They had made him an administrator of the VCC program. And ultimately, what a VCC program is, is that it gives the ability to 
really just allow people to pay without a credit card. And I think with this, you know, at first it might have worked because he had been employed by the team for a good amount of time. But ultimately, it just wasn't, I guess, as good when he steals more than $22 million. Now, he became the sole administrator, and the VCC is a payment method that functions like a credit card, but without a physical credit card. So he was basically duplicating expenses in an electronic ledger, inflating amount of legitimate transactions, and putting in fictitious transactions. So fraud. Literally, he was fraud. But it's just crazy that when he was fired in 2023, in February, that it took this long. And it's just, you know, kind of hard to understand because the Jags are finally getting things together. They're finally having a really good season. The culture is looking good. And they just lost $22 million because this guy was thinking differently. And that's just why it's, you know, hard for me. Now, here's the other thing, too, is that, you know, he was put in charge of this department, but no one expected that someone would do this. You don't go into someone on their first day and say, hey, make sure you don't use company money for this because you don't think you ever have to say that. But now the team does. And now the whole Jacksonville franchise is trying to figure out how they can get $22 million back. Fortunately, the team's doing much better and they'll continue to grow over time. But still, you know, to lose $22 million, it's pretty insane and something no one ever really expected to think about, especially at this time. And it's Friday, which means it is time for Christie's Corner. Everyone settle in and take a listen as Christie goes over some exciting news. As always, the floor is yours, Christie. Welcome back to another episode of Christie's Corner. And we're going to start right off with Transfer Portal. We went into this on our last episode with some of the biggest names who had entered into the portal after last weekend's games and we do have some more names and some big ones and maybe some surprising ones Um, and this all comes from CBS if you go to their website they have a live like ticker I guess you would call it that keeps track of all of the players entering the transfer portal so I'm just going to go through some big ones we have Duke running back Jordan Waters, who has already had a lot of attention from a lot of SEC schools. We have Utah cornerback to Travis Broughton um, and two Alabama players. And I think one of them is probably surprising. So we have Alabama defensive lineman Isaiah Hastings and we do have Alabama wide receiver Ja'Cory Brooks. This one's a little surprising because he had 674 yards and eight touchdowns in 2022, and he is best remembered as saving the 2021 Iron Bowl for us. But this season, we expected to see him a lot more. So he got in some trouble off of the field and had to sit out some games, and then he did have an injury. So There's just a couple different reasons we did not see him play or become the star we thought he would be. But I also feel like there just wasn't that connection between him and Saban. I don't think 
they got along great. And I don't think Ja'Cory Brooks was the kind of player that maybe thought he had to be coached. So I just think there was differences and disagreements. And that has led him to put his name into the transfer portal. Um, we do have another Georgia player. This is their cornerback, Nyland Green. Um, he has been there for three years. So I think that one's a little surprising for them. These are the biggest names that have come out since we have talked last. And while we have all these players moving around, we also have a lot of changes in coaching positions. So Texas A&M is going to be hiring former Kansas State offensive coordinator Colin Klein. I say former because he technically is still there, but once he signs with A&M, it'll be former. Um, He has actually almost always been at Kansas State. He was even a quarterback there. You'll probably remember him in the Heisman Trophy voting in 2012. He came in third. Um, his play calling is one of the top in the nation. And this isn't Texas A&M's first choice under their new head coach, Mike Elko. They were actually going for LSU's offensive coordinator, Mike Denbrock, but he is going to stay at LSU. So look to see Texas A&M hire Colin Klein officially in the next few days. Clemson also has two new coaches to add to their resume. So Dabo Sweeney has hired two new assistant coaches. Um, We have Matt Luke. He's going to take over the offensive line coach. And Chris Rumpf will be the defensive ends coach. So last week they let go of Thomas Austin and Lemonski Hall. So Luke comes from Mississippi. He was the head coach there for three years from 2017 to 2019. And Rumpf has actually been at Clemson before um, from 2006 to 2010 as the defensive line coach. So this will be a familiar position in school to him. He is coming back from the NFL where he has been with Houston, Chicago, and Minnesota. So these are well-seasoned veterans, and Dabo just hopes to kind of spice things up and get back to Clemson's roots with these coaches. There is also an NFL team who is going to be looking to fill some positions. So if you have watched the Titans games recently, they are falling off the tracks. So this comes after they lost to the Colts, which was a comeback win for the Colts. So they are firing their special teams coach or coordinator, Craig Ackerman. So if you did not watch that game, there were two special teams disasters that led to points for the Colts. So Tennessee had a punt blocked and then returned for a touchdown and then another punt that resulted in a fumble and an injured player. So after this and basically these causing them to lose the game, um, they did let go of their special teams coordinator. So I'm sure we'll see a new hiring of that position soon. You know, I really wouldn't even be surprised after the season ends to see Mike Vrabel gone from the Titans. I just don't know that he knows how to move this team in the right direction. 
So if you play fantasy football, this was the year to not put too much emphasis on a quarterback. I don't think there has been a season where we have ever seen so many teams lose their starting quarterback. Six teams have lost their quarterbacks to season-ending injuries so far this season. We have Joe Burrow. I think he was one of the first. He suffered a torn ligament in his right wrist. We had Kirk Cousins, who tore his Achilles. We had Daniel Jones, who had a torn ACL. Anthony Richardson, who had an AC joint sprain. We have Aaron Rodgers, who also tore his Achilles. Deshaun Watson, who had a displaced fracture in his shoulder. And most recently, we saw Trevor Lawrence with his injury. Now, this has not been specific to quarterbacks only. Obviously, this is one of the most crucial positions where an injury can change how a season goes, though. It just seems like injuries are getting more frequent and they're becoming more scary. And a new story that has come out that I think is terrifying is Panthers tight end Hayden Hurst. They think that he has post-traumatic amnesia from a hit he received earlier in the season. So basically, he is unable to form new memories and remember some old ones. They don't think it's going to be a long-lasting thing. He just has to get through it with certain treatments. And they do think it's not career-ending, but that's just a scary term for an injury for sure. But it is time to pick some games, and we have a break here for a while for some of our favorite games to pick. But we do have a game this weekend that is deeply rooted in tradition, and that is Army versus Navy. Um, now, as someone who has family members that were service men and women on both sides, it's really hard for me to pick a side, but I, I'll, I think I'm going to go Army, but not by much. I think it's going to be a really close game and really come down to the last few minutes. But some NFL games to talk about. We will have the Bucks versus the Falcons. Um, not that I think this one is super exciting, but it could at least cement the maybe second spot for that division. Um, we also have the Texans versus Jets. I think the Texans are really on a roll. CJ Stroud, I think, is the high highest passer so far this season. So I think that's another win for the Texans. Rams and Ravens can be huge. A lot of people have the Ravens maybe making it all the way to the Super Bowl. Panthers and Saints. I think the Saints will win here. They're leading their division, but it's just another division rivalry game. Seahawks versus 49ers with the 49ers coming off that big win last week. I think they're going to win this game. We have the Bills versus Chiefs. I think for the Chiefs coming off of that loss, they will cement this win. The Eagles-Cowboys, I think, is going to be the biggest game of the weekend. And I am rooting for the Eagles just because of all of the former Alabama players they have. But I think that's going to be the game to watch for sure. And then we have Titans versus Dolphins. I'm hoping to see the Dolphins win there because if you listened last time, they are one of my Super Bowl contenders. So we will see. 
if I'm right and how the weekend plays out. And you'll hear from us next week. Bye. As always, thank you so much for that wonderful insight, Christy. It's going to be very exciting to see what we've got going on. Because remember, we have the bowl games coming up and we've got the playoff coming up too. But definitely let's, you know, focus on some of these games in regards to the NFL as well. So let's take a look and see who we should pick when it comes to our NFL teams. So obviously with this, we have to make sure that we're kind of being fair for everyone. So here, let's go ahead and take a look in regards to who we think we will pick. Obviously with the Saints and the Panthers, I'm going to go with the Saints here. I think the Saints can finally get things going, and I think they'll find a way to improve. Falcons, Buccaneers, we're going to go with the Falcons here. Falcons are currently leading the division, so I wouldn't be surprised if they continue to do well there. Obviously, we've got the 49ers, Seahawks. I'm going to go with the 49ers here for the sweep over the Seahawks. Eagles, Cowboys, that's going to be a good game, but I'm going with the Eagles here. I think they just want to get things right, and I think they'll be able to. And then, obviously, with the Titans, you know, with them, I really hope that they can get things together. I'm sure they can, but I know that on paper, it's not really the best. They're going up against the Dolphins, so I wouldn't be surprised to see them come out with a loss there. Now, on to our final point, which is not really something I was expecting that we would be discussing. It's about baseball. That's right. When it came to baseball, we've got some trades revolving around Jared Klenick and Juan Soto. Once again, you know, I'm not very big into baseball, but to see that this was something that happened, you know, in the month of December is pretty surprising to me. Now, Jared Klenick is a player who used to play for the Seattle Mariners. He just got traded and got traded to the Braves. Now, the Braves are probably one of the best teams in baseball. I know that, obviously, I can say that because I live in Atlanta now, which is very weird. And with this, you know, they need some outfielders. You know, they've got a pretty decent, you know, outfield rotation right now. So I think this should help them out. For sure, but it was very surprising because when you look at this team, you're kind of just thinking to yourself, huh, why did they do something like this? You know, a team that has Ronald Kenyon Jr., Michael Harris, you get richer with Jared Quenick. Now, do we know why Jared Quenick got traded? From what I've heard, is that there are regards to it because they wanted to dump some of their cow- their salary. And I think with this, they also just wanted to make sure that they could clear up space for the potential of Shohei Otani. But they also had traded away Evan White and Marco Gonzalez, and they sent nearly $5 million to Atlanta. So they're basically saving about $25 million between these players. And they can use that to grow, but Klenick was huge. And I think with this, it's kind of a big blow to trade him because he's still young. You know, he just got caught up a few years ago. This is pretty ugly in my opinion. So I don't know. I wasn't a fan of it, but I mean, I don't know baseball that well. 
The second player traded was Juan Soto to the Yankees. This is one that I am a little bit more familiar with. You know, I remember Juan Soto during his time with the Nationals. He was a very big piece of their World Series run, and he was intended to be the face of the Washington Nationals. Then ultimately, he just didn't want to be anymore. So then he got traded to the Padres, and with the Padres, they really tried to do everything to win now, and that didn't really work. You know, he struggled this past year. He was, you know, he hit 35 home runs. I know it's crazy, but he hit 2.75, and that's something where there were a lot of times where you would look at some of his stats, and you could just kind of tell that, oh man, Juan Soto was very much struggling. I mean, you look at some of his final games, and really with this, you kind of just notice that he only had two home runs in one game where he was the designated hitter, but then he also struggled where he totaled only five hits in five games. And that just doesn't seem like the one sort of that more people are familiar with. You look at his averages from when he was in Washington and then when he got traded, it looked very different. You know, something just had seemed off. And I know that we're basing that off of five years in Washington and a year and a half in San Diego. But still, you know, it was kind of surprising to see him kind of struggle there. You know, his on-base percentage dropped um, and so did his home runs. But still, I think with this as well is that he didn't seem like he wanted to be there. And with the Padres, they just kind of were dumping and trying to get more players and win now. And it didn't really work. So it's very surprising to see that these two teams obviously made these trades. But hey, you know, baseball season is almost underway in a few months. So get excited, Yankees fans, and get excited, Braves fans, because you've got two really great young players who are going to be great assets to these organizations. But that was going to do on this Friday episode of Jake's Take. As always, thank you so much for the love and support. We could not have grown without y'all. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Jake's Take Podcast, or my personal Instagram, so 14 You can follow Christy on Instagram, TikTok, at Marie underscore double zero. As always, this is sponsored by Variety Sports Network, at Variety underscore sport underscore your home for all sports in different forms and varieties. And you can find this episode on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're basically on all podcast platforms. Drop a like, drop a follow, subscribe, share this with your friends. We really appreciate everything that y'all are doing. We are so excited to be back during football season. This is one of the best times of the year and making sure that we bring content to everyone here and keeping y'all engaged. And as always, as always, as always, continue to be great. Be the best version that you can be. Bring smiles into this world. Be a light in this world. The world is still a very scary place and needs our help. And as always, we will listen and hear from you all later. Take care.